Telecast, the TV industry news review. Before we kick off this week's show, I wanted to thank everyone who came along to the first Telecast Content Funding Festival. We've had some fantastic feedback, so thanks to all of our delegates, our panellists, our sponsors, Hype, Apex Content Ventures, Drive, M Content and Quinter Studios. And also thanks to our partners, Hacked, K7 Media, The Bridge, TBI, Broadcast and Edinburgh TV Festival. Over the next few weeks, we'll be replaying some of the panels, giving you an insight into the conversations that were had by our industry leaders. On this week's show, we're replaying the brand-funded Programming 2.0 panel that kicked off proceedings. Our expert panel featured consultant and former controller of branded entertainment at Channel 4, Simon Wells, ITV's Director of Digital and Creative Partnerships, Bhavit Chandrani, Head of Content at Apex Content Ventures, Katie West, Paul Tremaine, EVP and Managing Director of EMEA at United Entertainment Group, and it was moderated by k Media's Claire Thompson. The panel was recorded on Tuesday 26th of April at Lincoln's Inn in London, and the panel was sponsored by Apex Content Ventures. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you everybody for joining us today. I would like to introduce, first of all, Bhavit Chandrani. So Bhavit heads up sponsorship, ad-funded programming, creative partnerships and digital partnership strategy at ITV. Next to him, we have Katie West. So Katie is head of Apex Content Ventures UK, part of Publicist Media. She manages Apex's investment into UK production. And prior to Apex, she was at Sky TV for 16 years, where she set up new revenue streams for branded content and channel sponsorships. Next to her, we have Simon Wells. Simon was previously controller of funded content at Channel 4 for seven years. Before that, uh, head of formats and IP at specialist content agency Drum OMG for nine years. Simon's early career was in TV ad production uh, before a stint at Basel TV, where he worked on a number of early AFPs in the early 2000s. He's now a consultant specializing in branded entertainment, working for clients, agencies, and producers to help broker new types of commercial funding arrangements. And then last, we have Paul Tremaine. Paul recently joined UEG as Managing Director EMEA from Mediacom, where he was Managing Partner for Content and responsible for the leadership of branded entertainment, influencer marketing, social and content partnerships. During that time, he worked with some of the biggest brands to devise and deliver shows like Extreme Everest with Ant Middleton uh, in association with Barocca, Women's World Football in association with Coca-Cola, Tour de Celeb with Skoda and the return of Changing Rooms in association with Dulux. So thank you everybody for joining us. And I think the first thing to say is, as I said, mentioned before, we're doing this panel and I've been doing various telecasts and uh, reports about this subject because there is an awful lot of it about. The first thing I think, though, to just sort of clarify is some of the terms that we're talking about and some of the different models of how brands are currently funding content because it can work in a few different ways. So, Katie, I was going to ask if you could give us a little snapshot of what you do at Apex and what those models are. Well, I can explain a little bit about programme finance or content finance, as some people have probably heard of it uh, described before. 
As Claire's mentioned, I work for Apex Content Ventures. It's a separate trading entity, but it's part of the Publicist Group. So just to sort of explain a bit about what Publicist Group is. Publicist Group is a global set of agencies um, in the advertising space. They represent massive clients across the globe. Um, and they do both their creative work. So you might have heard of Saatchi's um, or Leah Burnett's. They, you know, they're creating the TV ads or the space. But they also do the deployment of the media. So they'll be buying ad space throughout, throughout the uh, different spaces. So um, they, they do that work. And all of the work the agency does is, is advertising you know, advice, really, about how to spend their money for best, best practice. What we do in Apex Content Ventures is slightly different because we, we work on behalf of the group and we uh, invest money from our, our head office, which is in, in Paris. And rather than using the client's money, we use our own company's money and we invest that via commercial broadcasters into TV programming. We do that because we really want to support the ad space. So we want to make sure that we're continuing to allow our commercial broadcasters to have the best programming they possibly can because when they have the best programming, they draw the best audiences, and that enables the advertising space to be, you know, we can continue to, to have advertising space. It works really well for the broadcasters themselves because the advantage to them is that we are, are making investments really early on in their financial year and significant investments. And what that means is that the broadcasters are able to make decisions about where they want to spend that money without having to wait for, for the advertisers to fluctuate. Because as we had a year in pandemic, the spend can completely drop off. Whereas when we're using Apex Content Ventures, we're making that investment early without any strings attached so they can, they can depend on that investment. In terms of how we work with producers, as many of you I know the audience is today, it's very light touch, really. Once we've made a decision about what programmes are going to be invested in, which is always the broadcaster's decision, we will then have a conversation with those producers. We explain how we work. Uh, we'd like to get to you know, have conversations and relationships with, with you guys and then we have a credit on the program at the end, which we'll say, you know, just with thanks to Apex. And the other thing just to know is that we don't take any rights when, we, when, we're, um, when we're working with producers. So that's our model. That's program finance, content finance. Yeah. And so in the report, we lay out for, for people coming to this kind of a bit freshly, that those differences between program finance versus brand-funded programming. And also, it is difficult because all the different agencies do have slightly different models. Some take rights, some don't, and it can be kind of quite confusing. So we talk a bit about the different players in the market and how that works. But just more broadly then, so it feels like people have obviously been talking about AFP, BFP, brand-funded programming, unfunded programming for a long time. But do we feel like something has significantly shifted. I mean, Simon, at Channel 4, you oversaw a sort of flourishing period of this at Channel 4. And then since you've left, you've been looking at other kind of players in the market and what's happening more widely. Do you feel we're at a kind of sea change? Well, brand-funded programming or branded entertainment, as we call it at Channel 4, and I like to call it because it is entertainment first. The difference between that and, and uh, program finance is that the brand or the advertiser the client, specifically, generally one client, is using it as a marketing asset. They're using it to replace or in or to support their advertising and marketing of their brand or their products. And so therefore, it's something that they, they uh, need to, uh, well, involve themselves very closely in. It has been tricky, let's be honest, you know, I mean, but, but it started, as you said rightly, it started, it was a bedrock of American television in the 50s. And then... 
as the sort of industry matured and advertising and spot advertising became kind of like the, 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 the way that the world worked, uh, it went away and it only really returned to the UK in about 92, 93 when a sponsorship was allowed and then sponsorship, some of it morphed into things like the Pepsi chart show and you probably all remember the Pepsi chart show. Basically what's happened since, since the Pepsi chart show is a sort of big burst in it of, of things like music shows and cookery and chop and chat shows and sports shows funded by brands across most of the channels. But in the last six or six or eight years, the quality of it's got better. The brands and the agencies, a few agencies have got really supportive of it, like Mediacom and other, other agencies have seen its effectiveness. Channels like Channel 4 have embraced it more, the commissioning editors are beginning to understand it better, and the quality has improved, basically. Mm. And it's moved out of those sort of easy wins like music and, you know, music and sport into and entertainment shows. And when I worked at Basel, I think one of the most interesting things, Peter Basil Jet, the work with, uh, with Emma Derrick, who's here today, we, one of the biggest shows they did was Changing Rooms. Mm. And at the time, Baz said, wouldn't it be great if we could just get, you know, Dulux to kind of get on <laughs> Dulux, right. Dulux ring me up and say, what colours are you showing this week? Because we need to stock up at all the DIY stores and please give us a run on it. And he would, he would supply them with details of what colours were going to be used. And he said, wouldn't it be brilliant if they could get involved and fund the show? And of course, 20 years Only later, took 20 years. They have, you know, so it shows that yeah. actually what is most important is creativity, a good television idea. And I know Bab will come on to the, you know, the, the, the television side, the, the, the broadcaster side. And I think in a way, we're at Channel 4, perhaps we pushed it a bit too far mm. in some, on some projects, I'll be honest. Mm. Mm. But, you know, actually, ultimately, what this is about making brilliant television and getting a brand partner as a co-pro partner, that's what I'd say it is. Yeah. And so I think that what's happened is over the last few years, the quality's got better, the genres have broadened out, and people are beginning to understand it. And I see healthy growth for it. Mm. And do you think, Paul, that brands are beginning are seeing it differently? I mean, it's obviously it has to be driven as much from their side, but are they becoming more savvy about what they can and can't do and what the... You know, the yeah, absolutely. Benefits I think are. part of the reason why you see so many of these up here is that the risk has been reduced, it's been removed. I mean, if you go back eight, nine years, social media barely existed. The ability to activate these things barely existed. Mm. So now, just building on Simon's point, you have to come at it from the brand's perspective. Of they, they kind of view this as a shop window to a marketing exercise. Mm. And I think as a producer, if you get your head around and get your yourself into that mindset it's a really good place to be mm -hmm. the change rooms example is a perfect exponent of that where it touched 13 media channels so that shows how smart the client was so yes producers are getting better at making them and understanding mm -hmm. the nuances broadcasters are, are getting better at them as well but brands are understanding them more because there are more examples yeah. and they're, they're high profile examples you know supermarket sweeps another one uh, changing rooms, the, the Everest climb that we did, the show Babs done with Marks and Spencers. Is it called Cooking with the Stars, Babs? Yeah, I don't mm -hmm. watch my TV. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, so you've got all these brilliant examples that are high profile. And I think, again, the thing to understand is, is that as producers, you're fighting for budget that could be spent elsewhere. Mm. But when you think about some of the effectiveness stories that are coming out, it's mm. easier to now make that play. 
when we put changing rooms on air, their, their search volumes went through the roof um, on the particular paints and the particular range that they were, they were showing in the show. Um, you know, they used assets that were supported by paid media, so it supported that whole line in their media budget. They were able to fuel their own social channels. They were able to take it in store and, and, and create dominant positions, end of aisle. So it, it, it gave them a marketing vehicle, and I think, you know, the, probably the first one that turned the tide for us when I was at MediaCom was the Barocca one, mm. um, in terms of Extreme Everest, because it was extreme entertainment. And then I think what you get then is you get a lot of colleagues around a, a, a media agency or an agency building sit up and think, there's a new route to an audience. Mm. And that is actually what this is about. It's about partnering mm. a brand where the audience wants to spend time, where they choose yeah. to spend time, versus something being yeah. pushed their way. Pushed so, you know, in terms of why it's growing, I, I, I yeah. think there's, there's a few parties in this great story. Yeah, and the, the interesting thing is, I've, I've always said this, is that the more your clients and advertisers see this, yeah. and the more producers and broadcasters see it, and it's good, yeah. it works, they go, yeah. I want that. And so suddenly, you, you know, the more you do good of, of good work, the more there will be. Yeah. And, you know, every time we did another show, we did a gardening show on... Uh, Channel 4, and they're doing a second series now. And mm. the following week, we had three calls from agencies <laughs> and clients going, we want one of those. Can we have one of those, please? Yeah. But that's part of the problem and the beauty as well, because it's, it's controlling the volume and the qualitative. Mm. Yeah. And also, you don't want to keep doing the same thing. Absolutely. You have to keep moving it on as well. But I guess also from the, the brand's point of view, financially, you can get quite a lot of digital assets out of one show. You know, as a against an ad spend, it's actually quite a cost-effective way of yeah, yeah. Doing and I think your... again, that's a thing to think about as a producer is how you can help make that package more appealing. Get into their mindset. So, what's the stills package? Could we turn this into a physical event? Could we take it into store for you? Sometimes outside of a broadcaster deal, mm -hmm. um, and that can benefit you incrementally as producers as well. But it, it helps. Some agencies are great at seeing the bigger picture, some aren't, mm -hmm. but it, it really does help show that this is more than just a big expensive badge. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we'll come on a bit more to the what the producers can do around it um, later. But so, I mean, Simon, you were doing a lot of the examples that are up here are Channel 4 and, and probably disproportionately, particularly in that kind of factual entertainment space, there's a lot of Channel 4 stuff. Bav, ITV, you've had a really big high-profile one with Cooking with the Stars. What's the kind of ITV approach to it at the moment and how it works yeah, for you? I'll just pick up on Paul's yeah. point about um, um, brand interest and how much that's grown over the years. Something we've done from a sponsorship point of view, so I, so I know it's not happening programming, but, but we have really worked hard in the last decade to take sponsorship from something that was mainly about the sponsorship bumpers that sat around the show to much deeper activation. And I think that is something that has also helped pave the path for mm. um, the growth in ad-funded programming because brands have realized how far they can yeah. utilize the IP of a show, yeah. how they can carry that across different platforms, and then tallied with the, the growth in social media um, and the importance of having kind of permission to have a dialogue with the consumer mm -hmm. in a slightly different way. The assets that you can create from, from a sponsorship mm -hmm. have allowed that. And sometimes the way we talk about advented programming is it's a really well-activated sponsorship, but that's designed specifically for you as 
the brand. So it's like mm -hmm. a, a really bespoke version of, so you're of sponsorship. Just coming so, in earlier into the journey. Yeah, and, and if, if, if the ultimate show doesn't exist, you can create it. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, Changing mm -hmm. Room is a perfect example that Dulux may have looked around the sponsorship market, not seen exactly the right thing, and thought, actually, let's let's go and make it. And that's that's mm -hmm. a brilliant example of doing that. From a, uh, if I flip it back to the from us as a broadcaster. You'll have seen um, earlier this year, actually, we, we restructured our schedule uh, a little bit in, in March of this year to focus in very much on the things that drive the, the live viewing the most, so entertainment, soaps, drama, sport, live daytime uh, content. What that's meant is actually that we have fewer lifestyle factual entertainment slots available. While I agree with Simon that brands are going into ad-funded programming in, in broader genres, but a lot of these examples will be in that kind of lifestyle mm -hmm. entertainment. So, uh, especially in, in home and uh, cookery in particular, they've been really strong genres for many years. And we don't do that much of, mm -hmm. of either of those genres historically anyway. Mm -hmm. And now we have slightly fewer mm -hmm. factual entertainment slots available. So there, there is a bit of a challenge. While we've got a huge amount of brand interest in, in advanced programming, but arguably less space to accommodate them mm -hmm. as per the current schedule uh, as a, for us as a broadcaster. Us as a streamer might change mm -hmm. things in, in the coming years. So when we are looking at, at shows, and again, to Simon's point, it's entertainment first. It's about the quality of the, the creative idea first. We're also very much looking for broad audience shows. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're trying to find formats that, that will deliver as, as you know, a mass audience in keeping with kind of ITV's USP and sometimes when you're looking at ad funded programming and the direction that a brand is approaching it from or the brief that they've written that can feel a little bit niche from an ITV point of view so so something we often have to work with brands is to, to broaden out their brief while making sure it still absolutely fulfills their marketing objectives and what they want to achieve from a campaign I think you know we, we have yeah. done that and obviously Cooking with the Stars is returning. Um, yes. And I guess to your point of, you know, you can't be what you can't see, the more examples in a particular genre, you know, the more perhaps brands start to see that, oh, it doesn't have to just be a factual entertainment. We've got one question from someone in the audience about is AFP happening across both scripted and unscripted? And I guess this takes us into the question of, you know, genres that do work and, as we've seen from these examples, a lot of it has been factual entertainment, certainly in the UK. I know I've talked with Samantha Glynn from Fremantle. We've all said, you know, we want, we want there to be the big entertainment formats as well. You know, it would be lovely if it could spread across and, and Cooking with the Stars is kind of edging more in that, you know, is in more in that area. But then when we talked about brand-funded programming in, on streaming platforms, um, particularly in the US, there, it seems to be very much more about kind of purpose-led documentary, uh, cost of winning. Um, one example about a Baltimore football team of underprivileged kids, you know, th those and 5B about an AIDS ward. So the kind of brands getting behind a kind of purpose-led documentary. What are you, you guys seeing in that? I mean, Katie, you've been involved in some... Yeah along those lines more, haven't you? Yeah, so from an agency point of view, we are, and all these guys will be completely familiar with it, but a lot of brands are moving a little bit more into the space of wanting to represent something. So some of the examples we talked about are showcasing their brands, lifestyle programming, but actually brands are sort of recognising how if they sit, they feel that something like mental health is important or 
gender diversity or supporting minority groups, that's, that is starting to become more of an important thing. In fact, I remember last night I bought a bar of Tony's chocolate or something and it was like £3.50 and I opened it all up and it's all anti-slavery. So, you know, you can charge more for a brand because they've got a purpose, a point to them. And in fact, from an Apex Content Ventures point of view, it's an important part of our mission statement is to also support content that is driving all of those purpose-driven points. So supporting diversity, for example, and creating inclusion. So um, some things we've done is where we have, we have included brands in one example where, where we were on Sky Sports and uh, we, we had a program around mental health and we got one of our brands involved in that and um, they loved it because they, were, they, they supported mental health as well. So um, we, we can do that and we're definitely seeing that that's another area that's, that's of growth for us. So it, the brand is less likely to be in the programme, mm-hmm. but to, to your point about building a marketing, you know, Paul was talking about building a marketing campaign around it. This is a great way that they can say, we really care about this particular subject. We want to make a big campaign around that. So that's something that, that as an agency, we're seeing coming through. And certainly from, from content ventures, Apex Content Ventures, we want to do that as well. So, I think so where Scripted's concerned is, is don't always think about it as the brand funding the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So Storyline Integration, I'll see Sinead from Lime sat over there. You know, Hollyoaks is a great example. Mm-hmm. We've worked with them at Mediacom in the past around kind of that purpose-driven yep. piece. And how do you integrate into the storyline? And, and, and I think, you know, that is, a, that is, I believe, going to become a much bigger part of the content mm. funding journey where yeah. brands can fund segments or a part of a show or something mm. within a show mm-hmm. that contributes towards the funding model. So, mm. yes, there are not as many examples. The lead times are potentially longer. It's more complex. Mm-hmm. But we, we also did one way back in the day with Scope, the disability charity, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which was short form, admittedly, but really effective in the comedy space. Yeah. So they do exist, but I, I think, you know, as you say, these yeah. are more common. Yeah, and Trigger Happy trigger TV, happy trigger TV happy I was going to say that. Fasted. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's, I, uh, do you know what? Ambition, that's what it's all about, creative mm-hmm. ambition. Um, and I believe that, you know, you know, to a couple of, five, six years ago, if somebody said doing Extreme Everest, which was an extremely risky uh, enterprise anyway. Stupid idea. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we'll, yeah, and Middleton wants to climb Everest. Uh, so Baraka said, well, we'll put the money up, you know, we'll put the money up, that's great. You know, we may not have made it, but I mean, you know, at that time it was like, wow, this is a, but once it happened, once it was seen, people went, well, you can do even more off, you know, slightly sort of, sort of, um, well, riskier programming. And I think brands will start to explore other areas as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it has to be about ambition. I mean, uh, the chap um, the, uh, um, at uh, the, one of the commissioning editors at Ch- Channel 4 is now at BBC Studios and runs it, uh, said, um, uh, you know, I want to work with brands who've got ambition, mm-hmm. as I have mm-hmm. ambition to make great shows. Uh, and I think that's true, and I think that will, the more that we, as I say, the more that we do, the more we will see brands and producers mm-hmm. and platforms going, let's, let's partner on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think on, the, on, on that point as well, what's, what's interesting is, understandably, everyone jumps to always the biggest brands, and they always think that you know, they'll have the biggest budgets. But in the instance of Barocca, they're a real challenger brand. They spend yeah. very little a year on media, mm-hmm. and that investment into Extreme Everest was a small investment, but to them a massive investment, but it enabled them a, a new route to an audience that punched way above the weight of what their media spend could be. So I guess that's another thing to think about is, 
every agency around town wants to sell an idea to Tesco's or Marks and Spencer's, mm. but they mm. might not want to sell one to the co-op, for example. So there are there yeah. are opportunities yeah. there if you think beyond the obvious is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. I'll, I'll add to that as well. We, we often talk about you know big, big investment, but think about it from the brand's point of view. That, somebody like Barocca, that investment will be really significant to them. Mm. And actually, in that sense, they're being just as ambitious as mm-hmm. however much money Tesco mm. put in supermarket suite. But, but also, a lot of these brands are more nimble, they're more agile, they're more flexible, they've got local decision makers, which you know a lot, a lot of brands struggle with, uh, international brands. And so the, there is a real opportunity if you can hit on the right moment for really the right key. brands. The decision-making bit. Yeah, um, and that, and, and it, it, we'll talk about stakeholders later, but within a brand, if you can narrow down the number of stakeholders, you've got yeah. far, more, far more chance of success yeah. as well. And building the relationship with media agencies, with media owners, to understand the landscape of which brands might be interested mm. beyond the obvious ones is really worthwhile. And so when you're thinking about both of you, I guess, the brands that might get behind a show it's not necessarily about thinking about particularly the brand category but it's more about their ambition or if they have something they stand for or if they are looking to make a particular impact yeah, in so the market and the, the guys will uh, hopefully back me up on this AFP <laughs> tend, to, tend to come from two different directions so there's mm. the the commissioner led so there's commissioner need first and we, we try and find a funding partner for that for that show or there's the brand brief of course where it's it's more the, the kind of commissioner led need where where you you have to think a bit differently about what kind of brands mm. you might approach and, and that is all obviously going to be driven by the show and therefore the categories that feel most appropriate mm-hmm. I think when you get the brand brief in there you've got a sense of the brand's ambition immediately, but also you get an opportunity to potentially be a bit more abstract about the solution because you've got you've got a kind of broader perspective from a from a brand. So I've got a brief on my desk at the moment, which is about community. I can't give too much away, but yeah. um, but but it's about community, and so that gives you quite a lot of scope to play with, and then you're not kind of fixed in in an obvious genre from the start. Okay, talking about those models then, so there are broadly those two approaches, one where it comes from a brand brief, one where it's a commissioner's got a show but they have a funding gap maybe or they think they could. I mean, in your experience, is there a a kind of template for a most successful approach or model or is it really just... (laughs) What? Each of you. Yeah. My view is you, you've got um, as much chance of success or failure with either. Right. Um, so, which I know is not necessarily that helpful. Um, but, but, I th- but I think it's, it's the, the reality. You know, where, you, where you start with a brand brief, you know the brand's got the money and so, the will and yeah. the ambition. Um, but finding a solution that works for that brand isn't always straightforward. Finding a solution that works for the brand and works for the commissioner mm-hmm. uh, and the channel isn't isn't always straightforward finding the right slot getting the slot to match the investment and the right producer getting, I mean yeah get, matching the producer um, absolutely so, so there are just a, a lot of variables and equally you, if you start from the commission need yes you've got the slot guaranteed but sometimes a brand wants to feel like they've got mm. more of a stake in the, in the show 
or in the, in the format or the development mm -hmm. of it. So you have to try and create that flexibility, mm -hmm. even if you've got a, a preformed idea. So Make it feel like it's their idea. Yeah, like <laughs> supermarket suite, for example. You know, that that's an established format, mm -hmm. but we, you know, we had to get Tesco to feel like they had an influence mm -hmm. on it, even mm -hmm. though you've got. Uh, a kind of set format to, to the show, mm. so, it's, so there is the, there is risk from either direction. That's my perspective. <laughs> I think mine's probably a little bit more commissioner-led. So I was at Sky for a long time, and they had lots of different channels. You've got Sky Art, Sky Documentaries, Sky Sports, Sky Entertainment, Sky, you know. And I think that the commissioning process was so tight and very very prescriptive. You know, they know exactly what they wanted, so it's, it's quite hard to bring a. Sh something that was come a creative from a brand we it was easier if you have a program they sort of wanted or they liked or you, you know you work closely together you know what job, what sort of area and also what producers they like working with and, and in terms of how we work now in apex content ventures we very much work with the broadcasters so we're supporting the broadcasters to bring them to the content they want so from our point of view we're probably more on a, a commissioning let's find what what programming you want and then we'll try and We'll try and finance it and bring brands into it as well. So it's probably my view on that. Mm -hmm. No, I'd agree. And I think a good exercise is look at that board and say, why did that brand get involved in those shows first and foremost? Yeah. And mm -hmm. what, you know, just, just because I think if you are a producer and you've got a platform really keen to commission your show, really keen, and I know this is the way Paul likes to work, is that, you, you know, you've got a show yeah, that the platform really wants and you go, well, I can make it more affordable for them or make the show even better by putting some money in or working in a mm. partnership with a brand mm. who fits really well. Mm -hmm. And the most obvious fits are the ones that work best for everybody. Mm -hmm. you know? So mm -hmm. for example, there was a show, one of the first success, really successful shows we made in that funded show was All Star Driving School. Mm. Um, because it was a driving school and we just gave them all Suzuki's and then create tons of extra content. It worked beautifully, the cars were an, in, an intrinsic part of the show. That kind of obviousness it, it works so well and it's so easy and it doesn't, really, it doesn't compromise the editorial. So, so those are the mm -hmm. best and I think if you're a producer you should look at your slate and go, now, where would brand partners work well here? Well, that was, I mean, we've got a question from the audience, which is, so should a producer take their idea to the channel, brand or agency first, if you are sitting on an idea and you think this is a perfect brand-funded program? That's a good question. <laughs> a million-dollar question. Yeah. I mean, my perspective, and I guess building on the, the answer in the question is, um, you know, we established a model when I was at Mediacom, and we would take that through to where I am now at UEG, where uh, we're funding programming is concerned, we're looking for, for shows that are sort of 80% warm with the commissioner mm -hmm. because we want to know that we, you know, as a buyer on behalf of the brand, I want to know that that, that thing I'm taking is tangible because mm -hmm. there is nothing worse than taking that thing to the client yeah. and then that being taken away. So exactly. we operated a model whereby we, we match made. So, you know, I would have regular routines with producers to try and understand what it is that they have in development and what's looking warm. And then at that point, would introduce that to the brand's sense check. And so, you know, my, my, my advice would always be, you know, you want to make sure that you can get your show onto a, a platform or a channel mm -hmm. or, or a streamer and then start to engage that conversation with either brands direct or through agencies. Um, and, and that's where... You know, I've probably done 20 or so of these now, and that's where 
the most success has come through that model mm -hmm. of, you know, there's been a couple that have worked through, through Babs, Babs method, method um, but, but just in terms of scalability, that's how we've done it. And so is it worth, so how much as an indie can you be having those conversations or is it more a case of, you know, maintaining your relationship with the commissioner, get pitching the ideas to them and then if you like, waiting for them to kind of point you in the right direction. I think it's like this marriage in the middle. Um, you know, it's a good example to talk about changing rooms. You can see Chris Holden at the back from Banerjee. Uh, myself and him were having a conversation about two years ago, and it was just a, well, a class as a routine meeting where we are just talking about the things that they, they're working on, they have in development, and, and they were like, I suppose you want a decorating show, do you? Uh, we're, we're thinking about bringing back changing rooms, and we've got some interest in it. Mm. And we just so happened to be in market, to your point, mm -hmm. looking for something for Dulux at that yeah. time. Mm -hmm. And so those matchmaking marriage opportunities mm -hmm. are where a lot of it happens. So, yes, you need to be having commissioner conversations, of course, but it's a healthy thing to be building relationships with media agencies as well and but, other types of agencies. But does that help because you are Banerjee or can small or having routines with, you know, you're presumably not having routines with all of the no. smaller indies, how, if they're not in a big I mean, operation. a really quick answer on that is, is the, the size of your business is irrelevant, I would mm -hmm. say, if the producer wants to or is, if, the, if the channel is willing to commission you, then, then we would be interested in the conversation. Um, Extreme Everest was made by Parable, who at that time were half a dozen people. Mm -hmm. So it's a really good example of small up to up to you know bigger indies. And there's there's a couple of indies um, that we've just in my last sort of six months at MediaCom, we worked with projects to get them over the line. A deal with Lucasaid uh, mm -hmm. and another one with a really small um, estate agency brand called On the Market as well. So they're projects yeah, that are going to be coming work. to air. But, yeah. And I know uh, Vicky Kell, who's here, I think she she did some interesting work on this last year and up for a report, um, we were writing a report on it and I was interested, her sort of rough tally was that actually by commissions it was 50-50 small in terms of BFP, small indies versus production groups. I think in terms of hours it was more weighted to the big group, 70-30, but actually in terms of commissions it wasn't the case that it's all, you know, mopped up by the by the super indies so um, I think those opportunities no, are lots of small indies actually at Channel 4 and yeah. large indies you know I think it's just a willingness to and we go back you know today it's all about content funding um, brands are one of the in a new mixed ecology or economy of entertainment mm -hmm. they're now a credible mm -hmm. partner source of finance mm -hmm. to help you get a project you know a patchwork of funding <laughs> help you, perhaps all of it, but mm -hmm. per, and many times, you know, 20%, 30%, 50% of that funding can come from around as a partner. It's a co-project. And so amongst these sort of examples that we have here, I mean, they are a mix, aren't they, of what, what's the more, most, for Channel 4, for example, was it 50-50? How much were full fund um, and how Channel much Channel 4 had, were... a, have a, and I think most people know this in, in the room, that they have a principle which is, Ad funding must be 50% of the right. investment. I don't know whether how other platforms work. I think I've been doing some work with the Americans recently, just finding out how the American market works. It's quite mm -hmm. interesting. Mm -hmm. um, they, they, they do do mixed funding, but actually right. they prefer brands to pay for all, for right. all of it and then mm. pay an access fee as well. Right. Which, but I mean, that's America, and in America it works, you know. But the other thing is, 
blended funding with program finance. You know, that's another yeah. way of of raising all the finance. Some mm. of it's program finance, some of it's uh, ad funded programming. So the brand has a marketing asset, and then the agency who they're working with. So, mm -hmm. you know, these are it gets it gets more complicated. But no deal is simple now. No, <laughs> and there's no That's one size fits all. Uh, ITV is it's, it's there's, is it? There's one example on the board which was 50-50, but otherwise um, the rest are entirely or almost entirely brand funded. Right. Um, and that's not to say we're not open-minded about what model we, we use going forward, but as it's worked so far, that's the route of travel. Right. Okay. Do you do, do program finance and ad funded blended yet? Not, would you? not as of yet. Yes. Not as of yet. Because of the way program finance works, because there's a commercial arrangement, mm. essentially the show is still at cost. Mm. Um, yeah. So, so if, if essentially from our point of view, it's a commission is a show. Yeah, yes, exactly. And yeah. the, our business model works best when the show's commissioned and we can yeah. sell the sponsorship and monetize it that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. in those examples, that's that's the model we yeah. use. I suppose if we were program financing the program, then we'd prefer it to be one of our publicist yeah. brands. Yeah. yeah. So that would be something that would be rather than bringing in yet yeah, another. That's better. Yeah. For, you know, yeah. Rather than bringing in a different. Yeah. Just to, to, to go back to that question about who to speak to first, and that again, there is no straight <laughs> answer. My my advice though is, if as soon as ad funding is is part of the conversation on a show, whether that's brand led, agency led, commission led, whatever it might be, try and bring all parties together yeah. Yeah. as as early as yeah. possible in the process, because that will yeah. enhance your chances of success quite significantly. Yes. And interestingly, when I was interviewing lots of the Americans for the report on brand funded on streaming platforms, there it was very much the case that all of the kind of big guys who'd done things like Dads and 5B, it was don't go in the commercial door, yeah. go in the editorial door, don't even mention brand funding, say we've got this project from this director, it's going to be huge. Oh, and by the way, we might have a brand who might pay for some of it, rather than going in through the commercial door, and because then you... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's so... fair to say that simply having a brand attached to a format doesn't necessarily increase its chances. No, it might diminish its chances. Uh, or it depends on, who you're talking to, to a degree, yeah, who you're talking to and that commissioner's experience and understanding yeah. about funded programs. Mm -hmm. It depends on the idea. Mm -hmm. It's a great idea. Mm. It you know, is relationships. It, it can help. Yeah. It's about the more relationships and collaboration you have, then the more that's that's the sort of like matchmaking and then working together. That is that's yeah. key. Yeah. There is absolutely no point in trying to force something through no. through funding. Just because, because ultimately, it's got... you know, again, as a buyer, in six months, you're the one who's got the difficult conversation in your hands about why it's not worked. Yeah. You, you do one bad one, you don't do them again. So it has to be authentically right. Yeah, um, and just just while we're sort of talking about that, I think on the on the funding splits and stuff like that, don't underestimate the ability and the role the brand plays in as a producer you achieving a, a, a repeat series because mm. of the amount of money that they invest into the promotion of the series. Mm. So they are driving eyeballs to this. Yep. Mm. You know, there is absolutely no doubt, and I you know I, I, I'm very sort of aware of the success of change rooms was, was partly driven mm. by Dulux and the amount of promotion that they drove. And I'm sure in some cases with Marks and Spencers what they did as well. So yeah. I think my point being is that mm. it's not always critical in my mind that the brand funds all the programme if the bigger marketing mm. funding pot 
but enables right. you to do other things with it. Mm. Right. Yeah. Mm. So it's still in their interest. Yeah. There is so much. Um, uh, there's so much demand for um, marketing promotion for shows. So internally, commissioners are debating which shows get get promoted. So when you've got an ad-funded show, it's not necessarily the case that it'll get the same proportion of promotion that the brand would like it to. So a brand's ability, as, as Paul mm -hmm. says, to, to, to kind of celebrate it mm -hmm. through... See the bigger picture. See the platform, see the opportunity to help promote it, to drive audience is... Totally That's great. really important. Really yeah, right. and I mean, we have got some great examples now, luckily, of shows that are coming back for second series. So, Cooking with the Stars, Great Garden Revolution, Changing Rooms. So that's a, a sort of signifier that in the last few years, they, you know, these are good shows that are keeping pleasing everybody, and so are coming back. But I guess one of the problems is that it's hard enough getting through the eye of a needle of a commissioner who still wants your show hasn't moved and gone to another channel but then when you've also got the brand and the chief marketing officers left and there's a new set of priorities for this year and oh do we still want to fund this show I suppose it brings us on to the next question of the stakeholders but there are a lot of people to, to keep happy mm. um, and to, to hit their targets which may all be slightly different mm. how does one manage that particularly if you're the producer stuck in the middle oh well, well so <laughs> is, is the producer stuck in the middle or are we all stuck in some kind of <laughs> yeah everyone yeah. thinks they're in the middle um, yeah. the, so so i talk about there are usually five stakeholders um on an ad funded program which is kind of producer commissioner commercial team media or creative agency and then the client R roughly I, th mm. I think that's about right if you were simply getting a show commissioned as a producer, you would have you and the commissioner. And if you were, uh, if it was a commission that we were looking for a sponsor, you'd have the other three in the mix rather rather mm. than five. So instantly, you've just got a, a load more variables. And for all of us, that, and everybody in that mix, there's a, a need for greater collaboration, understanding that uh, there are more points of view, more opinions, mm -hmm. um, more time taken up but if you rely on the specialists within that and you all kind of empathize with each other and walk in each other's shoes a little bit so i can't remember whether it's simon or paul made the point earlier about producer thinking about something from a marketeer's point of view and equally from a brand's perspective thinking about you know mm. what trust in the producer to make the best show yeah. trust in the commissioner to understand what works on that network um you, you have to have that trust and understanding yeah. in order for an ad fund to work because mm. the, because of the additional number of stakeholders. I think, I think it's, it's often, it's that, it's, it's having a really good account management because a brand will be asking for things that are first potentially compromising editorially and secondly they're just not allowed. Yeah. So you have to be really um, honest, upfront, collaborative, working together, trusting. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, the best projects I've had is like three people, the mm. client, the, the producer and me was representing the kind of the whole of the TV bit and then that was just brilliant because you just everyone's looking after their separate parts mm -hmm. and we all had a very we had a very close knitwork group and it worked really well so mm -hmm. And so yeah. is that about, I mean, we've got a question about what skill sets does a producer need to work with brands? Is it about a skill set? Is it about a mindset? Is it about bringing in someone experienced, a cons you know, someone who can help navigate you through it, especially if you're a smaller producer? What? Not doing myself out of a job. <laughs> it's silent. It's, 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 <laughs> I'm the consultant, but it's about mindset. You know, the ad world is a service industry. 
I worked in advertising, I used to make TV commercials. And if the client said, I want the shot, that shot longer, you go, absolutely, how much longer? In mm -hmm. television, the, effectively, there are two clients. There's the audience, that's the biggest client, actually. Yeah. You've got to make a program that your client, the audience, wants to watch. And the brand must understand that when they start this journey with you as a producer. Yeah. And you have got to collaborate. As a, as a, as a producer, you've got to be open-minded and go understand where they're coming from but also your other client, which is your platform effectively, really. You know, you've got to, everybody's got to have the right mindset, be open-minded, be prepared to collaborate. And probably in many cases, and I've had some shocking experiences over the years mm. with clients, <laughs> a couple. Not any you know, Not with Paul's clients. That's another way we But no, I'm not, you know, agencies sometimes will jump to the defense of their client, go, yeah, they want this and they want this. You go, but you're going to ruin the program. Yeah. Mm. You know, you just understand. But that's all part of, of where agencies have been have become better at this yeah, and, and yeah, they've understood and, and, it yeah. and, and I think and that's 10 years ago they wanted to yeah. buy you into a song <laughs> now they understand mm. it my point is we're all getting better at this mm. everybody's getting better at it the producers are they're understanding mm. it and as they get better we'll do more of it and it'll be a much smoother process I mean you know I'm still working on a few projects and I'm working with producers who really get it now you know um, does it take, Something I mean, someone said uh, when I was interviewing for the, one of the reports we did that just expect the, I mean, the, don't underestimate the resource needed because it is double the amount of conversations and meetings to have, but also the, the kind of polish, you know, do I have to make my pitch now like a pitch for, you know, for an ad or what, you know, is there a lot more kind of... Yeah, it's a, good, it's a good question. I think just to colour in the last question and this one, I think the thing about resource, I think you need a point person. You know, you need someone who becomes that regular point of contact. In all the best examples, we've collaborated in terms of getting in a room early, and that's everybody mm -hmm. from the commissioner, the agency person, the brand person, and the producer. Building that relationship early is so key to navigating the turbulence. And there will be yeah. turbulence at some point in this flight, without a doubt. And you know, changing rooms was a classic example of trying to film that right in the middle of COVID, mm. where you know the client and Chris at the back will back me up. Has been absolutely fantastic because mm. they've understood the context, and that that was only possible due to the relationship that we built mm. with them collectively. They trusted the producer, they trusted their agency, mm. they trusted the voice of the commissioner. So yeah. that, that is absolutely key. I don't think you need realms and realms of people as a producer, but you do need a point contact, and that point mm -hmm. contact needs to be mm -hmm. empathetic mm -hmm. to the situation and all parties. Uh, and I think that's a key word in, in trying to understand and be empathetic to the bigger picture. I think in terms of decks and polished, um, no, no, like yeah. honestly, I, I think... Well, yeah. It's I think mindset, it's definitely nice. It's, it's not an skill idea. set. And a it's, it's, you know, do yeah. what you're do good at, which is pitching. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What uh, I would say, though, idea. Simon, is, is we, we as the buyers don't need the treatment that you would be pitching to the broadcaster necessarily. You know, we, we, what we need is the accelerator pitch, which is the summary of the idea, the, the distribution platforms, the talent, potentially their reach, mm -hmm. what are the deliverables and the investment. You know, you can tell that in six slides. There's another deck that lives somewhere else. Or what but, happens in episode but, but three, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah. in very few occasions have I sat with any brand who said, well, you know, 
out of part one. What's the, what's the narrative arc <laughs> of that? Because they, they don't know and they don't yeah. really care. They might care about where their brand plays, but, but that's another thing. So, yeah, well, well, I would I'd totally agree that um, what's of value and what's worth thinking about as a producer is the additional assets that you can create and supply to a brand yeah. and helping them understand that it's yeah. not just a show, but it's a campaign. If you can get into that mindset yeah, yeah. earlier, yeah. that, that yeah. definitely helps. Yeah, yeah. 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 definitely. Totally. I mean, uh, again, as the exercise looking at that and going, how could they activate it? So when you do it, when you are talking to the clients, say, yeah. but you could, to Paul's point, you could make an event, you could do this, yeah. and the clients, that's when their kind of eyes spark because they know that the show does one job for them, yeah. but it's what other jobs can And producers are increasingly used to having to generate you know, digital assets for all sorts of things anyway. So, I mean, that's still, yeah. that's already a big job on top well, of any that, To answer a question again about resource, that is one thing to try and understand early because there'll be a potential deliverable issue there if yeah. further down the line this is, oh, we thought we were getting X amount of clips and yeah. you've not budgeted for that in the edit. So I think it's good to understand that early on. Mm -hmm. um, but it also does open up potentially some incremental you know, revenue opportunities for producers in terms of additional stuff that's outside of what you, yeah. you promised them to do. Yeah. Um, on, on the M&S example, we, um, South Shore, the producer, they created an additional piece of content for M&S called Extra Helpings with uh, two um, kind of YouTube influencer chefs, William Kleine. And that, and that's, you know, that came out of an incremental pot of money, incremental right. brief from M&S. So Paul's absolutely right. If you, again, if you get in that headspace early, there might be some additional um, uh, money that you can access as well. Yeah. And talent, we haven't talked about talent, but talent yeah. absolutely can it's do, yeah. you know, really turbocharge a yeah. campaign. Yeah. And that's right, it's a campaign. It, it, that's how you sell it to an advertiser. Yeah. Talent yeah. is really appealing to brands. Yeah. Yes, and, but then who manages that relationship? Is it still the producer trying to protect the, the, the talent from... Well, there's, there's two different things. There's what happens in the show and the promotion of the show, which ideally the producer would handle that part. Yeah. And then there's the part around, well, does the brand want to contract mm. the expert or the talent to do bespoke content on their channels, which mm. the agency loves because that's incremental to us because mm. that's effectively talent ambassadorial, influence marketing, yeah. that kind of thing. Mm. So, yeah. you know, the other part of this is thinking about what are, you know, what are the commercial touch points for the, for the middle person, the agency in the middle, because they're, they're also trying, they're incentivized to, to try and do as much as they can as well. So. And then to add a whole other layer of complications, so then what about if you have a format that as a producer you're hoping travels internationally, as most producers do, how often is it the case that the brand then wants to stay with the show internationally? Is that something you should be aiming for or is it just too much of a headache? I mean, we, we, we can help. So we can help if a, if a programme is potentially in one territory and we've been involved in that somehow. We can help producers uh, with our relationships because we're a global brand, so we have markets all over the world. So we can help with that relationship. So it, it can work in that way potentially. Mm, yeah. so that's one way that that we can do it. But I think generally speaking, I don't know, you can guys probably answer this, but I'd say mainly we work in the market. I don't know if you'd agree. I, I mean, well, we've done, I mean, All Star Driving School is running in five, six markets now. Many now. And in each market, actually the, the brand wanted to be, I'm sure you'll come on to rights and that mm. sort of area in a minute, but the brand uh, didn't want to be a partner in, uh, in those other markets, but it had an option to. 
um, but other brands did, so other car brands, so they couldn't mm-hmm. have a holdback. So, you know, in, uh, I think it's um, uh, in, it, Kia in, in Poland <laughs> is funding the show. And so, um, yes, I mean, the golden, the, the golden kind of AFP opportunity is when you create a format and it travels internationally. And I mean, there are a few of those are shows that, in for, format sense, Mm-hmm. Will have travel or will travel? I think the um, mm-hmm. the the new IKEA show is for something that would travel. Rock has certainly did. Land Rover Everest has been sold in quite a few territories. Skoda Tour de Celeb sold in a few. Change Rooms is in a few more at the moment. It, it really does depend on local market marketing agendas. With the know. same brand attached, it yeah, yeah in that instance, yeah. you know, I, I always found it quite challenging, if I'm honest, at, at MediaCom in terms of trying to connect those dots. In my newer role at UEG, the, the, the more global opportunities seem more prevalent. They seem to be carrying through across multiple markets. It depends on the stakeholders, their agility, the size of the brands, whether the show travels. And also the if the producer is you know, of yeah. a sufficient size yeah. to be that the main yeah. But it's definitely, it definitely should be considered because it can yeah. open doors. You can get commissions in other markets that you'd never have got because you've got a brand partner. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah and agencies can make because they're often we have clients that are in every single territory, so we yeah. work, we can try and help it travel. So you know that can really be good. And so I guess that does bring us on to the question of rights. How much are brands interested in having a piece of that international format pie or not? It's not their first question. Mm. Put it that way. It's more about then their current need state, which is often quite narrow. If I'm honest about how do I raise brand awareness or how do I move this campaign on? Uh, and they're, they're not, in my experience, um, it's not first on their agenda. It can be a nice to have. In many cases, it's not something that we negotiate on their behalf because we understand that that, that particular production might be very tight on margin. It might be a small budget. There's various parts to the algorithm, I would say, but it's, it's not something we've done huge or I've done a huge amount of. In that instance, probably more Katie, I would say. I've been asked, by brands a little bit, but I don't think there's they, they even understand they're not particularly the, the, the revenue model. So you can I, I think it's not really. A, it's also not worth anything not, until it's no, worth something. No, it's, it's, it's a complicated. Just, but then do they ever come back afterwards and yeah. go, hang on a second, yeah. this is our show? Why are we not? Unless they're someone very savvy and they yeah. kind right. of understand that there's there's a nut. But it's that's mm. from my experience, that's unlikely. Uh, well, we we've, we've had a couple of brands who uh, or marketeers who have been savvy enough but also ambitious enough because they mm. yeah. believe in their yeah. format so yeah, much yeah. they yeah. couldn't possibly envisage it not travelling around the world and selling mm. in hundreds of yeah. territories. So, I mean, um, yeah, <laughs> it, 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 you know, a bit naive. The Pepsi Chart Show was an, a great example because that was an ad-funded show in about 20 markets. Oh, right, yeah. Um, and okay. nobody's quite replicated that. Um, but... I think it, it will happen. It will happen. Yeah. Yeah. I always remember Gillette World of Sport. And Gillette World of Sport, of absolutely. Yeah. Again, yeah. in a magazine format. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think you'll see it yeah. happening yeah. With, yeah. with the streamers more, yeah. where you know they don't get a bump up or they don't get an accreditation, but for funding it in return, they get you know a share of the, the upside mm. potentially. So I, I, it could be something along those those lines. But mm. um, and I'm sure deals like that are being done already. Mm-hmm. People don't talk about them. Actually, <laughs> that's the thing. But they are being done. Right, I'm sure. yeah. yeah. Okay. So I guess the other question: we're all evangelising about brand-funded programming, but how much is enough? I mean, how much do we want brand-funded programming on both 
you know, on main linear channels and elsewhere? Is there a limit? If it's done well, there is still a limit, absolutely. I mean, you can't have a platform that doesn't have a mixed ecology of finance. And, uh, you know, you've got to make money. And in many ways, you know, if you're a platform, it's not making you any money unless it, you're getting your advertising revenue from it, from the spots. So there is a limit, absolutely. I mean, I think at Channel 4, we found there was a limit that we could handle. And was that a conscious limit, or was it just a resource um, we can't manage? Uh, both, really. Right. But also, you know, I mean, the, the, fin the, ecology, the finance ecology of a, of a platform has got to say, okay, some of the content, if it's good enough, it saves us some money on our commissioning and our, our production expenditure. Mm -hmm. It saves us some money, but it's got to be good enough, mm. and we'll do it. But you can only do so much because... If the brands all suddenly go, well, no, not enough people are watching our ads, we just want to fund programmes now. So, yeah, so directly. This, that. this links to a point Paul made earlier. So I think there's a limit on how much straightforward brand funds a show to, to exist can happen. But what we're seeing more and more of is brands integrating into shows in different ways. Mm -hmm. And that is still a form of mm -hmm. brand funding. Yeah. So you, you know, we, this week, I think we've got going live... Um, Heineken Zero product placing in uh, our soaps on Cor mm -hmm. Corrie and Emmerdale with a with a beer button. That that you know that is um, feels really different and, right. and kind of moving things on in the product placement space. So so I think you'll see more and more of that, and that solves the conundrum about you know a cut through in advertising. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I personally have always been worried about too much, mm. you know, right. and and this is someone who's trying to sell it. I I, I feel that the market could become too flooded. Mm. Uh, I think that's where the commissioner voice is so key mm. and that, you know, yeah. we don't try and push too hard and authentically it needs to be a thing that a channel or a platform wants. I think that may sound quite depressing to a producer. What, what I would say is don't waste your development slate. Think about other ways to get those ideas out there. Can they be social entertainment formats? I know mm. this is about linear, but actually... You know, we at UEG are constantly, we're getting so much more demand for brands who want to play in social entertainment and often they're talented. So I think mm. reversioning your ideas to work across different platforms means that you're sweating your development slate as well. Um, and so, so think, think about why that's of interest and potentially you know, as well as agency relationships are key as well. Mm -hmm. I think it comes back to the question about, we, we, you know, is it commissioner-led? And if it continues to be driven by the audience and what they want to watch, then that people are watching it for the right content, then it, you know, you're in a good space. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we are highly regulated in terms of how much um, prominence there can be. So mm -hmm. yeah. it's okay, but I think you know, people might switch off if, if, if the content itself drops in quality mm -hmm. because a brand is dictating it, then that's a danger. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. if commissioning is still driving and they understand the audience, then I think then we're, we're okay. Yeah. 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 Okay, well, just before we finish then, I mean, it was a question that we had from the audience, but I guess it is the, the, the key question for any producer here. If a producer is wanting to get into brand funding content and perhaps hasn't done it before, what piece of advice would you give them? Where, where should they start and what should they think about? For, for us, we have a team at Publicist who specialise in partnerships and branded content, so making relationships with, with, with those guys. They, they, they have access to all of the brands in the Publicist stable, so they can, you know, they can talk to, to you about what's available, so that would be a 
sort of working through the agencies essentially, mm-hmm. but they should come to you perhaps with an idea in the first instance. With a slate they, of ideas, slate. To sort of to Paul's point, is yeah, there's lots of brands and there's lots. It's matchmaking. It's a matchmaking mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. The most irritating conversation is for a producer <laughs> to come in, or a media owner, or a publisher of any kind, and sit you down. They've asked for a meeting. They sit you down and go, right, what briefs have you got? And I'm like, sorry, you know. And it's actually, you know, I'm interested in what you're what making, got. what you've got, what what's interesting, what you think audiences are interested in, and you know, we're here to match that to brands. Mm-hmm. So I think the answer to the question is those conversations are good. You should try and have some of those conversations mm-hmm. with the bigger media agencies, the content agencies, potentially even the creative agencies, mm. you may even want to go brand direct. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's yeah. absolutely true. I think that that's what the way the market's changing. And I think that you know, it is about what opportunities are there because these are the things we're making and they have the potential for a brand partner mm-hmm. because the briefs are, you know, the, getting the briefs is, is is hard. It's better to share what you've got. I think we, we moved that to that at Channel Four. Actually, we started releasing a slate of these are the shows we'd like to make. Do Sometimes an idea generates a brief. Mm. Yeah. So ex producer mm. might come in and yeah. we float X idea, but they go that's not quite right. But then that what that stimulates is a brief, mm. Mm. and then Bab gets yeah. a brief. Yeah. And then everyone's happy. So it's really, <laughs> yeah. the whole system's worked. Yeah, you know, like Bab the, needs a brief. The, the M&S thing came from a, a long-standing relationship with M&S. Mm-hmm. You know, they were sponsoring Britain's Got Talent. They created an ad campaign with us. Um, and, and so it was quite an organic process. So there's no, so I'll go back to the point start. There's no straight yeah. answer to, yeah. to yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my two bits of advice would be if ad funded programming is something you want to explore, get the right people around the table mm-hmm. as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and the other thing is, is to get into the mindset of campaign rather than program. Mm-hmm. And that, that you know, because yeah. yeah. then you're thinking about it from the brand's point of view yeah. as well. What's two very good pieces of advice. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Okay, well, on those pieces of advice, we will end. Thank you very much to everybody on the panel. I hope that's been useful. Thank you. Well, that's about it for this week's show. Thanks to all of our panellists for sharing their insights. Telecast was edited by Ian Chambers and recorded in London. Until next week's show, as always, stay safe.